You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Dr. Gray? I am excellent. What can I help you with? So um, I had a bit of a um, lingering question. You know, I am a rising senior pre-med student entering my fourth year. I do anticipate on taking one gap year to apply to medical schools as well as to um, make sure that I have enough time for myself before medical school starts. So my question is regarding the MCAT. I know it's a very tedious process for a lot of pre-meds as well as aspiring medical school students um, on successfully getting through the MCAT. Mm-hmm. But how would you suggest as someone who is, you know, I consider myself a bad test taker, first of all, you know, I oh, consider myself you know, the worst that mindset. No, I know, no. I know. But listen, um, <laughs> as far as preparing for the MCAT goes, how do you recommend I navigate collecting the right study materials as well as making sure I know how to study instead of how much to study for the MCAT, meaning um, choosing the right resources or making sure that I'm absorbing this content in a way that'll leave me successful in absorbing the right information and preparing to take these practice sex um, tests successfully. Yeah. So uh, obviously at, at the intro, right, this is Ask Dr. Gray presented by Blueprint MCAT. So we are sponsored by and partner with Blueprint MCAT, uh, which I, I've been partners with them when they used to be called Next Step Test Prep for, mm-hmm. for many years, uh, mostly because students love them. Um, so mm-hmm. with that said, right, with that, that caveat said, the majority of students, last I looked, uh, the WMC has some data. It's called the Matriculating Student Questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, last I looked at the data, the majority of students, not, not by a ton, it was like 60, 40, maybe, maybe, uh, the majority of students don't do any sort of formal test prep, right? They don't take a course. They don't have a tutor. They, they just self-study. And so how do you self-study, right? Well, luckily we have Khan Academy is fantastic resource. There was, uh, some threats last year or two years ago, whenever it was, uh, that Khan Academy was going to stop. Uh, kind of hosting the AAMC MCAT material. The AAMC uh, has MCAT material that they graciously allow you to purchase. They do have a free full-length test right now, which is great. Most of the test prep companies have free accounts. Blueprint MCAT has a free account where you get access to a diagnostic test and a full-length exam. And uh, obviously, most of the companies out there have a set of books that you can buy and use. Mm Let's talk about the big mistake the students make, right? The big mistake the students make is they focus too much on content. They just read the books and read the books and read the books and take the notes. And then they go into their MCAT having maybe taken a full-length exam, maybe not taken a full-length exam. And then they go, oh, uh, I didn't do very well. And so I'm like, how many full-length exams did you take? And they're like, well, one. I'm like, well, that's the problem. (laughs) The MCAT is a test to see how well you can take the MCAT. And to practice taking the MCAT, you have to take the MCAT, right? You have to take full length exams in standard testing environments, right? Standard testing time, meaning you're starting when you would be starting uh, the real test in terms of time of day. You go through the, the timing of kind of the intro and the first section and then you take a break and, and everything is timed exactly like you would be timed on your real test day sitting in a Pearson testing center. So uh, that is one of the biggest mistakes the students make is they're like study, 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 content, 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 content. And they're not 
practicing test questions. They're not thinking through, oh, how do I best read a passage? How do I best analyze for the car section? What is, what is the author's tone? What is the author's intention? Right? You can't really study cars outside of just taking lots of, of passages. And so when, when you ask, like, what's the best way to prep? The best way to prep is to take full-length exams. Uh, it's to do questions. It's to, yes, have some content review. But the majority of your test prep, your MCAT prep, should be taking a full-length, reviewing that full-length in depth. What did you get right? Why did you get it right? What did you get wrong? Why did you get it wrong? Categorizing each of the questions, looking for uh, patterns of where you're struggling. Do I struggle always on amino acids? Do I always struggle on lens physics? Do I always struggle on whatever, right? Um, so that you can use that knowledge and information to dictate, okay, over the next two or three days, I'm going to study as much as I can, but I'm going to really focus on these things where I'm seeing yeah. this pattern where from a knowledge standpoint, I'm not understanding the information well enough to answer the question. Or do you know the information? You're just not understanding how the questions are being written, how the answers are being provided. Are you getting tripped up by some easy, I wouldn't call them tricks, but easy things that the MCAT does to be like, are you paying attention? <laughs> uh, are, are you watching me very closely? Because I'm going to do this very common tactic of trying to throw you off my scent of trying to get the right answer. Uh, right. And, and so I, I had a student, I tell the story all the time. I had a student who was an immigrant to this country, had to learn this language, had to understand everything that's going on. He came here for college and he really, really, really struggled with the MCAT, which this is the story <laughs> heard a million times. Right. And uh, I was working with him with his applications and he kind of disappeared for a little bit. And then he came back. He's like, okay, MCAT's done. I got a 522 or whatever it was. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Like you were struggling to cross like 505 before. How did you get a 520 something? And it, he just plain as day was like, I figured out how the MCAT test writers want me to think. He, he took he took practice exams he analyzed questions he was looking for patterns and kind of like neo in the matrix he found it yeah, and put himself yeah. under the yeah. testing conditions yeah you, you have to do it under those testing conditions right because yeah. the, the timing of everything the stress of everything is really what gets you Thank you so much. Um, my next question uh, surrounds um, the extracurricular side to the med school application. We all know the extracurricular side is a very vital part of getting into medical school. It can make or break your application, right? Yep. So my concern over the last couple of years, you know, I'm a senior pre-med student right now. Um, I haven't had enough clinical experience throughout my earlier undergrad year. So like Freshman year, sophomore year, first half of junior year, um, I was mainly in unpaid non-clinical work as well as leadership positions on campus. You know, my I think at, at this point, by the time I intend on applying, which is May 2024 for the next cycle, 2024-2025, my application will be clinical and um, leadership heavy. But in terms of the clinical experience, I was fortunate enough to gain um, certification at no cost through the hospital, which I'm employed at. And I was able to get up my first clinical jobs, which I started in May of this year. 
So, you know, it's a very rewarding job. It's uh, basically a PCA on a very busy orthopedics floor. So I love it. You know, I do everything that is involved with patient care, interacting with patients. I've already had a few meaningful interactions that I've written down from my own personal notes. Um, And, you know, I feel as though medical school will see that as being not lazy, but late in a way. So if I intend on applying in May of 2024 to matriculate into medical school in the year 2025, Mm -hmm. will a year of consistent clinical experience slash clinical volunteering in a hospital environment look bad to adcoms or will they say that I need more experience based on that? I I think you'll be just fine. Uh, It's always a big fear uh, of students of like, I started late, right? The fact that you'll have a year before you apply is fantastic, right? And and the goal is to continue that uh, some form of clinical experience doesn't have to be exactly the same, but some form of clinical experience through the application cycle. So one big mistake that students make is they'll do this year of working as a PCA on the ortho floor, and then they'll get to May and go, okay, I'm done, right? I can submit my applications now and I can go work at Subway or whatever, right? There's this other thing that I like more than being a PCA on the ortho floor. And so it looks like to the admissions committees, this student just checked a box and moved on and isn't really interested in this thing that they say they're interested in, taking care of patients, being around patients, the clinical environments, all that fun stuff. So having a year before you apply and showing consistency through the application cycle, uh, using the anticipated hours, uh, which you, you can now do on AMCAS, is is huge. So I think I think you'll be fine. Thank you so much, Dr. Gray. And I had one more question to ask you. It's really about the application itself. So you talk about um, sometimes the X factor, you know, what makes an applicant stand out? What makes an applicant look like they present good character? Mm -hmm. So uh, I know you said you mentioned before, especially in your past videos of how non-clinical volunteering or non-clinical community service work looks on a med school application. It shows that you have a passion for something. It shows that you have, you know, initiative for something. My question is, if I were to do something centered around um, leadership or around a passion, but it's involved with my school rather than an outside environment, seeing as I would take opportunities that are presented to me in my school environment, since we have a very close-knit community that is dedicated to helping others in our institution, how would that look to ad comps if I was only associated with um, leadership or uh, community service work associated with my school and not anything outside of it? I think you are a very common pre-med student who is overthinking everything. <laughs> That's what I would think, right? I, I, I think there's there's no perfect applicant. And the way that you ask that question is you're assuming there's a perfect applicant and you're worried that you're not it. Do the things you want to do. Be the person you want to be. Tell your story in your application and let the medical schools like that or not. Uh, if you ever hear me talk about X Factor, it's usually in the context of there isn't one. I don't believe in there it. There isn't one. I'll make sure to keep that written down. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, really, um, uh, is it okay if I ask you one more question? Sure. Sure. Um, so um, in terms of shadowing, I know that shadowing is a very um, 50-50 type of clinical experience. You know, some people have it, some people don't have it. Um, how would shadowing look in the context of, you know, one specialty that you may have only gotten to shadow, um, 
seeing as you don't want to be viewed as a gunner pre-med saying like, oh, I only shadowed the surgical specialty. So adcoms will think I only shadowed, you know, are only interested in surgery and not like the primary care fields. So say you um, got shadowing hours, but it looks to be a little too much, like maybe 70, 80 shadowing hours, you know, will adcoms get an interpretation that you should have focused on something else or leave that amount of hours that you're able to get in terms of like 70, 80 shadowing hours with one field or um, a bunch of different hours in another field. Like how would ad, my main question, how I want to word this is how would adcoms view, you know, multiple specialty shadowings over a long period of time? If you want to give yourself enough exposure to medicine. I'm, I'm not really sure I understand the question. You're basically saying, okay. what if I was the perfect applicant and, and I have lots of shadowing over lots of time? Are they going to like that? Well, of course, they're going to like that. That's the whole point of what we tell students to do. Go get shadowing. Go get some experiences. I'm not, I'm not sure where you're seeing the red flag. Okay, so it wouldn't be considered a red flag. Like, I, would, I always thought it was sort of like, not a trick, but like sort of, don't do too much of one thing rather than try to diversify yourself. Like sure. It's good to have some shadowing, but at the same time, you don't want to have too much of one thing. Is, is that still the case or is it like, well, it, it depends, right? All right. Do you have 4,000 hours of shadowing and no clinical experience? Mm. Right? Are, are you, are you spending all of your time shadowing and you don't have clinical, you don't have community service, you don't have yeah. any research. Uh, but, from talking to you, right? You're a PCA and the ortho floor. You're you're doing these other things. So again, I'm I'm not really sure what the concern is, unless I I missed something. So I okay, let me let me reword this for you, Dr. Grace. So my main concern is if I only shadow maybe one specialty for 50 hours. Basically, if I get a bunch of shadowing days where I'm shadowing the surgical field and I'm in there for maybe 10 hours a day. I didn't know I'd be in there for 10 hours a day. And it adds up to around 50 hours. And that's all the shadowing I'm able to get. And then I put on my application, orthopedic surgery shadowing 50 hours. And that's the only ever only shadowing experience I ever have a considerable amount for one specialty. Mm -hmm. So will adcoms interpret that as he's only interested in this specialty or he didn't even bother to look at other specialties. Yeah. I, I, I think, again, I think you're overthinking, right? Okay. I, I don't okay. think there's a perfect way to do it. Okay. Um, there's always concern uh, that students have of like, I, I shadow an orthopod, I shadow a cardiologist, I shadow emergency medicine, right? We have students who are like, I was an EMT, I was a paramedic, I've shadowed emergency medicine. Are they going to be concerned that I'm interested in emergency medicine? I'm like, you're obviously interested in emergency medicine. That's what you've spent your time doing. Mm -hmm. But is that bad? No. Will one medical school look at that and go, oh, we don't need any more emergency medicine physicians. We're looking for primary care. Maybe, but you can't control how they're going to react to who you are, right? And so if you are a PCA on the ortho floor, if you're shadowing an orthopedic surgeon, your application is going to look like you're potentially interested in orthopedics. Is that a bad thing? It's just who you are, right? Are they going to be upset that you don't have primary care shadowing? Maybe, but again, you can't control that. You can you control. go get some primary care shadowing to potentially hedge against that? Sure. Finding shadowing is really hard. <laughs> Good luck. Right? Yeah. Um, and so again, there's there's no perfection in, in 
almost all of your questions are asking for perfection. They're, they're asking for what is the perfect way to do this? And there isn't one. There isn't. Okay. Just do what, do what you can do. Do what you want to do. Put your story out there. Apply. And medical schools will, will either like it or they won't. And, and that's the fun thing about this, right? Go on to mm-hmm. Student Doctor Network. Go on to Reddit right now. Look at these wackadoodles that are like, I have a 4.0 and a 528 and 3,000 hours of, sh- uh, of clinical experience and 2,000 hours of shadowing. And I have four first author publications. And I still was only interviewed by half the schools I applied to. Yeah. I've seen that in your you will, application you renovation not, videos. Yeah. You will not appease everyone. Yeah. And that's a good thing, right? Every medical school is looking for something different. Mm-hmm. So why not just be yourself and know that there will be schools out there looking for someone like you? I understand. I, I, I've had this conversation with multiple deans and directors of admissions of like, mm-hmm. stop asking us at conferences, right? MAPTCON is, is mm-hmm. the conference we're putting on here in October. Uh, mm-hmm. Stop asking us at conferences, what are you looking for? Students asking the medical schools, what are you looking for? There, there, there's no cheat sheet. Just be yourself and tell us who you are and we'll either like it or not. Mm-hmm. That, that, I love that answer. Thank you, Dr. Gray. I mean, again, you know, maybe I'm one of those pre-meds who overthinks, of course, as <laughs> you may have picked that up. I overthought about everything since I started my career in freshman year of college. So maybe it's just that I got this interpretation that you have to be, you know, this perfect person. But from what you told me, you know, you don't, just be yourself you know there's no trick there's no secret formula to you know gaining the attention of the top 20 medical schools so uh, i really appreciate your insight and your advice on this thank you so much for joining me here on ask dr gray pre-med q a did you know that we record these live on facebook at 3 p.m eastern on most weekdays search for medical school hq on facebook and like the page to be notified Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 